you'll be sick of this song by now. And the stamp of Andy Considine on the Scotland squad as well and truly made following our win against Serbia to get us through to the Euro 2020 finals, our first major tournament since 1998. We'll go into Group D to face England, the Czech Republic and Croatia next June. It's a big one this week, lots to get through, including post-match with Derek McInnes following our loss against Rangers. We hear from Bailey Hatchison on our SWPL Player of the Month success, Dave Cormack and Rob Wicks on the latest financial update from the club, and Joe Lewis speaks to Mal as part of the Our Home campaign. Plus, have all the normal bits and pieces in between on the AFC Donscats with me, Graham Mackay, on Tuesday, the 24th of November. When you grow up in a country and in areas, a working class community, football clubs in particular mean the most to these. They're the heartbeat of communities. If you took the football clubs out of these communities, what would you be left with, really? There's just something about match day. There's just no other feeling that you get walking down you're walking in amongst the crowds and you know you're all heading to this one place with anticipation passion and you just can't beat that feeling and then walking into the stadium for the first time before kickoff it, just, it doesn't matter who you're playing you still you still get that buzz it's like the greatest love affair you'll ever have and although they keep letting you down and hurting you you'll always go back just so they'll give you that one great night again i think that's the 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 best way i can i can kind of describe it when they give you those days where they do turn up and win something you you can't beat those days you you just you just can't they're incredible and those days are why we do even though they're few and far between that's why you spend hundreds of thousands of pounds a year following them all over the country because you know that even though you have the tough days they will give you those moments when you've had a a, a serious time away from it you know the fire burns and the excitement only grows as, as each day gets closer and closer and hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later before we smell that match day air again until I've actually experienced it, I can't say, but I think it'll maybe be something like bring me back to my childhood again, being like a kid at Christmas, just, I don't know, just having that buzz, you know, not being able to sleep, you know, like the week before the match, because you're just counting down the days, and um, yeah, I think that the absolute buzz and excitement will, will be overwhelming, and then the match will kick off, and oh, but oh, here we go again. It's not just going to watch 11 guys play against another 11 
it's everything it represents. It's your family, it's your community, it's it's your city, it's it's your football club. Being part of something, I think that's the biggest thing about football, you know. And when you're at the match, there's just no better feeling. has been far too long and supporters across Scotland know what it means to love our game and how our clubs are the hub of local communities and we'd like to give a quick thanks to Ross McLeod who produced his poignant piece called What It Means a Nostalgic Look and Hope of Returning to Football Soon and this hope comes none more so than our own chairman Dave Cormack who has called on the Scottish Government and footballing authorities to come up with a plan to get fans back into football grounds. The club announced an operating loss of £2.9 million for the year ending the 30th of June with the club estimating more severe losses this year. Despite fresh investment, wage deferrals and cuts in the sale of Scott McKenna, it's predicted the club's income will fall by a further £4 million this year to £10 million, leading to a projected £5 million loss if fans are not allowed to return soon. And plans for the new £50 million stadium at Kingsford will have to be temporarily paused for up to three years whilst the club recovers from the outfall of the coronavirus pandemic. And again, just to, to kind of reiterate, we need your help. We don't want them to you know, come to you guys and say, do this, do this, do this, do that, poor football. Nobody's saying poor football. We're looking not for a handout. We're looking for help to put a constructive programme in place. And with the the processes and procedures we've got, they really are more regulated than anything else that's kind of gone on out there. We don't want to be reckless. Nobody's saying tier four have 30,000 people at a game. Tier one, Let's have a real plan that graduates through. The other thing we've we failed to mention is that it costs us more to put on a game with limited crowds than with no crowds. 300 people, 1,000 people, 3,000 people. I mean, all of that costs us money to go through this, but we think it's the right thing to do for society and for our football fans and our season ticket holders to be able to, 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 to have a path of hope. Right now, there's no hope. There's no plan. And we need your help, right, to to get that out there. It's not about sensationalism. The reality is this is about jobs and about our national support and about our communities. And we need your help. You can hear the full interview with Dave Cormack and Rob Wicks on the finances of the club and the impact it's having at the end of this week's podcast. Meanwhile, it was announced yesterday that in England a maximum of 4,000 fans will be allowed at outdoor events in the lowest risk areas when the four-week lockdown in the country ends on the 2nd of December. Up to 2,000 people will be allowed in Tier 2 areas, but none in Tier 3. Scotland's football authorities are seeking urgent talks with the Scottish Government following the news about the return of fans in England. Council areas in Scotland are in one of five tiers dictated by the prevalence of coronavirus and Inverness Cali Thistle and Ross County can have 300 fans at games as they play in a Tier 1 area. 
Then McInnes has questioned whether the SFA followed COVID-19 protocols after three Dons players have been ruled out for the next two games. Ross McCrory tested positive for the virus following Scotland's defeat in Greece last week. Alongside his brother, Livingston's Robbie McCrory and Celtic's David Turnbull. Lewis Ferguson and Connor McLennan have been told to self-isolate for 14 days as they were in close contact with Ross whilst returning from international duty on the plane and bus. Derek McInnes was angry that he found out about the issue on Sky rather than the governing body. It's the second time Ross has tested positive after contracting the illness in March while he was on loan at Portsmouth. Aberdeen FC's women's Bailey Hutchison has been named the SWPL Player of the Month for October. The 17-year-old has scored four, four goals in our up till now and beat and ran in SWPL too, including a hat-trick against Baramir Thistle. Bailey, very congratulations on the award. And you were saying it's the second time you've won the award, is that right? Yeah, the last time I won it was the, well, the last time we played in the league when we first got relegated, but we're in it now, so... Well done. It's been a great start to the season for you, though, hasn't it? Yeah, well, it's been all right. Better for the team, I think, bringing confidence when we want to get promoted this season. So. I mean, I think you started off, I mean, when I saw most of you last season, you were playing more the number 10 role, was that right? Yeah. So are you enjoying playing the number 9 role more? Or? Uh, I think it just depends on the game. Like, Obviously, it's a completely different role, but um, it's just something I have to adapt to do, yeah. to be honest with the team. The goals speak for itself and the amount of goals in, the, in you know, such little games is positive. I think it's credit to Bailey as well and the whole team actually that they worked really hard during lockdown so they were really actually quite fresh coming into the season and absolutely ready for it, um, fit and just ready to start the season so I think that's helped as well. So yeah, um, a great achievement and not just winning it for the first time, this is the second time as well, so again, it just shows that the quality of player that she is. It is, you know, it's that, that it's, it's easy to kind of get complacent when you see a team scoring lots of goals and, and winning games by big margins, and you know, some of those some of those games have been a lot closer than the scoreline would suggest, but the fact that we've had to um, go down to Glasgow three weeks in, in a row, you know, we knew that was going to be tough, we knew it was going to be a tough schedule, we've had three games in the last week as well. But to dig, get big results out um, when not playing particularly well is, is a massive boost for the squad and for them. And I approach it. It's great to see that determination as well. Aberdeen have opened contract talks with Scott Wright and are hopeful he'll extend his deal in the next few weeks. Scott was ruled out for most of last season with a knee injury and has been an integral part of our starting lineup this season. Scott missed our match against Rangers on Sunday due to a groin injury. And finally, the AFC Heritage Trust have launched a brand new magazine called Black and Gold, covering many aspects of the heritage of Aberdeen FC, our fans plus Heritage Trust News. The first edition of the 40-page magazine is out now for £4. You can get one by sending your £4 by PayPal to trader at afcheritage.org that's trader at afcheritage.org make sure you include your name and address details with your PayPal order I'm Tom Kerridge chef and pub owner and for the past year I've been working with struggling pubs across Britain but none of us could ever have imagined the crisis that lay ahead. Now is the time to avoid pubs. Is this last orders for Britain's locals? No way. Not on your Nelly. Saving Britain's pubs with Tom Kerridge on BBC Two and iPlayer.
OK, back to matters on the pitch. And it was a depleted Don side that faced Rangers at Ibrox on Sunday. The Dons went into this match with no less than nine first-team players out between injury and COVID-19 self-isolation. Johnny Hayes, Niall McGinn, Marley Watkins, Thomas Kearney, Dylan McGeoch and Scott Wright were all out injured, while Ross McCrory tested positive for COVID-19 whilst on international duty for Scotland. He would have also been out of this game anyway due to the terms of his loan deal with Rangers. His Scotland teammates Lewis Ferguson and Conor McLennan also had to self-isolate. Scott Wright was ruled out due to a groin problem. Aberdeen had gone unbeaten away from home since last December, a run that totaled 21 games in all competitions. That was until now. Joe Lewis, who made his 200th appearance for the Dons, was kept busy through the game. A deflected long-range strike by Ryan Kent put Stephen Gerrard's side in front, and Kemar Roof doubled that advantage. Scott Arfield's shot went in off Shea Logan, and James Tavernier got the host fourth from the penalty spot. Sam Cosgrove, Ryan Hedges and Matty Kennedy threatened for us, but we couldn't create the chances to make a difference. A positive, though, Ryan Duncan came on in the 84th minute to replace Greg Lee, aged 16 years and 309 days, giving him a short but important experience in such a high-profile game. All in all, not a good day in the office, but we need to pick ourselves up for our fixture against bottom club Hamilton tomorrow. Well, we're disappointed with the, the scoreline, um, disappointed with the goals we lose. I thought box-to-box we actually competed well, there was a good shape about us. Uh, it was a team we, we felt we were forced to pick um, in a shape we were forced to play really um, not the team that we obviously wanted to pick but you know injuries can happen and you've got to try and deal with that and I do think when you come up against a team of uh, with Rangers with their obvious quality and the confidence that they're having at the minute um, it, it makes the challenge even more difficult so I actually thought we started alright in the game and then the, the, the first goals are, it takes a massive deflection and it's a sore one for us um, the second goal we should do better at where it takes a little deflection before it was by Joe but we should de- we should defend it initially better and uh, Greg's got a chance to make a tackle as well at the edge of the box before they get the shot away so um, and I think it's, it's half time we spoke about trying to get the next goal um, and six minutes later I think we're, we're, out, the, we're out the game um, another deflection and the, a soft penalty for me um, so you know if, uh, Certainly not with any luck this week, they said in the last few days, but it has to be said, Rangers were clearly better than us today. Um, but I'm, I'm proud of the players' efforts. Uh, you know, I think a lot of them haven't played a lot of football of late, and I thought, of them, uh, I thought a lot of them did absolutely fine in the game. Um, it was an obviously going to be a tough match for us, regardless if we've got a full squad to choose from. But we have an eight and nine out, uh, it does make um, this a, a far bigger challenge today than it maybe it could have been. To stay safe during the pandemic, we need the right measures in the right places at the right times. So in Scotland, we're introducing new levels of protection from zero to four, tighter measures where infection rates are higher and lesser ones where there are fewer cases. To see the level in your area and what it means, use our simple postcode checker at gov.scot. Stopping the spread starts with all of us. Okay, let's look at the rest of the games in the Scottish Premiership at the weekend and Celtic were held to a 2 all draw by Hibs in the Scottish Premiership at Easter Road on Saturday and had to come from two goals down to earn a point. Goals from Jamie Murphy and Kevin Nisbet had Hibs in command but Odson Edward a penalty and Diego Laxalt stoppage time goal so it end all square. Nicky Clark scored twice as Dundee United hit back to beat bottom club Hamilton Aki's 2-1 at Tanadice. Kilmarnock shragged off an early red card for Stuart Finlay to defeat, to defeat Ross County 3-1 at 
Rugby Park, while St Mirren won 1-0 at Livingston. St Johnston and Motherwell drew 1-0 at McDermott Park. Meanwhile, Aberdeen Women's previously perfect run in the SWPL2 was ended after we lost to Partick Thistle 5-1 at the weekend. Aberdeen solitary goal coming from Ailey Shore. Last week, Mal caught up with Captain Joe Lewis at Newmarket Golf Club after moving to the northeast. Joe explains what the region means to him and his family. So Sunday's your 200th game. Did you know that? Um, Andrew Shiny said mentioned to me the other day. Yeah, they did say it was 200. Yeah, so he was, he, he's got all the stats. Um, you just reminded me. I, I, I had forgotten, but yeah, it's 200th game. So. Seems to have flown, really. I was going to say, can you believe how quickly it's gone? No, unbelievable. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. You know, it's, it's been um, been a massive coming to Aberdeen. has been sort of probably the making of me as a as a as a goalkeeper, really, in terms of um, in terms of well, getting my career back on track, which is what I wanted to do initially when I first came here. But just finding somewhere where I really enjoy my football and you know I'm comfortable. Uh, my, my family enjoy it here. My, my little boy's at school. I've, I've had a, a baby born here. Um, so, yeah, I've really sort of um, embraced the lifestyle and the, and the city. And I feel like um, you know, I get, I've got a really good relationship with, with everyone, you know, the supporters and everyone at the football club. Um, you know, I've got some, uh, some great memories I've made here. And, and got some more to come, hopefully. Tell you what. Shot. Off. Don't want that back. <laughs> Very, yes, it's similar to kind of places, and you know, I really enjoy it. And like you say, you've got the places like this that, that I love coming to. Um, I love going down to the, the cricket club at Manorfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a, it's a city that I, that I really enjoy living in. And um, you know, like, like I said before, my, my son's at school. He's in P2 now, um, and my, my, my second son was, was born in uh, in the hospital in Aberdeen um, only four months ago. So I've got a, a, an Aberdonian son now, a Scottish son, Scottish blood. How do you so, feel about that? Yeah, great. You know, it's great. He's uh, uh, he's obviously not talking yet, so I'm, I'm not sure what accent he's going accent he's going to pick up. My wife's from Manchester. I'm from Norfolk, and he's he's from Aberdeen. So um, yeah, I don't think he'll thank me for, for the accent he's going to have. But uh, no, it's like it's, it's a it's the other draw. To, I think up here, it's a, it's a fantastic place to bring your kids up. Mm. Um, it's a safe place in general, very safe. Um, you know, the school that my, my son goes to is a, is a great school. We've got some really good neighbours and, and, and made some really good friends um, who live near us as well. And my wife's made, made some really good friends as well. So, um, yeah, it's, we're, we're, very, we're very happy um, off the pitch. I think that obviously, obviously helps when you, when you step out on the, on the pitch. Got a chance. Gotcha. Joe, listen, thank you for taking us around your course. No, cheers. No, enjoy it. Thank you very much. A big thank you to the, the guys at Newmarket as well. We looked yeah. after this today. Really appreciate that. So. No, good. good. It's, it's a great facility here, isn't it? Yeah, and you don't get many days like this in November, so it's a good excuse to get on the course. Might tell the missus I was here till it got dark. <laughs> and all the best for Sunday. Yeah, cheers. Thank you.
You can listen to the full interview with Joe on Red TV. live audio and video of our next match only on red tv subscribe now for full match day coverage replays highlights and all the goals exclusive interviews and behind the scenes content sign up now at redtv.afc.co.uk the best of the action only on red tv Tomorrow night, we're at the Fountain of Youth Stadium for our postponed match from August against Hamilton. Kickoff is at 7 pm. You'll be able to view the match live on Red TV International or as pay per view on Aki's TV. On Saturday, it's our opening match of the League Cap campaign this season away to St Mirren. The match will kick off at 5 15 pm and will be shown live on Premier Sports and Red TV International. The other matches on Saturday are between Alloa versus Hearts, Arbroath versus Dunfermline, Hibs versus Dundee, Livingston versus Air United, and Madewell are at home to St Johnston. All three at pm kickoffs there. Then on Sunday, two televised fixtures on Premier Sports Celtic versus Ross County is the early kickoff at 2 pm, followed by Falkirk and Rangers at 5 pm. The results of the AFC Big Supporters Survey 2020 were revealed on Sunday. 43 pages of facts, figures, and feedback from Don supporters about the club and Scottish football. It's the biggest response we've had since we launched it three years ago, with 2,000 supporters completing it. The results have been shared with the club, which helped them shape future initiatives. And Dave Cormack and Rob Wicks have already been in touch about it, so your feedback does count. The full report is available on the Inverness Reds website now for you to read. You'll find a link to it on the main homepage. And thanks to everyone who took time out to complete it. We're all set for Christmas with no less than five AFC Don's Cast between now and the big day. I'll be back with more next Tuesday, the 1st of December. Between now and then, you can keep up to date with pre- and post-match reaction for the Hamilton and St Mirren matches on our social media and on InvernessReds.co.uk. Keep listening. We have the full interview with Dave Cormack and Rob Whips, giving you an update on the finances and the current situation with club. And I'll catch you back here on Tuesday. Till then, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stand free. Good morning, Dave. Um, good afternoon, Rob. Good to see you both. The annual accounts for the year ended 30th June will be going out to shareholders today, um, ahead of the 117th AFC AGM next month. Uh, so I thought there's a good opportunity to give all our fans an update on finances. Dave, if I can start with you, please. Um, the club has a very clear strategy, but what effect has COVID had on last year? Yeah, well, it's good to, to see you, Mal. Um as well. Um, so the reality is, is that um, we have a number of pillars to our strategy at, at the highest level. Um, clearly, it's for us to uh, make the investments necessary in our football operation uh, to achieve our aspirations of, you know, being higher end of the league each season, higher end of the cups, hopefully winning a cup or two, and um, getting to Europe. Um, last season, we deliberately planned for an additional investment to get ahead of some of the squad changes. So the squad that you see today is really as a result of last season's efforts. 
um, and also investment in the fan engagement programs, which if we weren't in COVID, uh, we would be enjoying today. So the net net is we had planned for about a two million pounds loss last financial year. That ended up being 2.9 million as a result of COVID because obviously COVID only affected the last two or three months of um, of, of last uh, financial year. But what that has meant is that our wages to turnover ratio versus the prior year, which is a key indicator, went up from 58 to 68% um, last season. Um, what I would say is this, um, is that um, the strategy is a clear strategy. We've clearly seen this season um, us adopting a, a, a more offensive style of play, entertaining style of play, because we've got the players to do it. And again, that was a key part of what we wanted to um, put um, in place. But I will say this, Mal, up front is that um, we've come together, all of us involved in the club. It's not about one individual group or constituency. It's about um, those of us that are invested in the club and those of us day-to-day running the club. It's about our fan base. It's about our community. And everything that we have done together has really helped us get to the position we are today uh, as a club. Okay, Dave, so that was last year's figures. Um, It's clear with fans continuing to be locked out of the game um, will have a a massive impact on projections for the current financial year. So can you just tell us, where are we right now? Yeah, and so obviously this has been something that all the clubs in Scotland, as we talk to each other, have had to project and re-project. Obviously, the, the last statement we gave for this current financial year was that we would hopefully have fans back or full crowds back in January, which clearly isn't going to be the case. So our latest projections that we've announced are really based upon limited or no crowds for the whole season. And, um, and, and, and that projection shows that the club will lose £5 million this year. And it's all due to a collapse of income because of uh, COVID or match day income is down uh, 82% um, for the reasons that we have shared um, publicly uh, recently. Our wages to turnover ratio this year with no crowds at the games is going to be 90%. Now, all of that said, every club is going through this, Mal. Every club is challenged by this. We are a very, very well-run club. What we've gone through in the last few months has been um, nothing short of remarkable in the sense that today, even after spending $14 million on Cormac Park, after investing more in our first team operations, that we are still debt-free. The biggest challenge that we kind of face in reality is, is that where do we go from here? How, do, how can we give hope to fans coming back to full stadiums for next season? And so, um, so that's really where the kind of rub is. But the fact that we're at 90% wages to turnover ratio due to just a collapse in income is, um, is obviously a, a, not just a challenge for Aberdeen, but for all Scottish clubs, because we don't have the TV income that England has. I mean, 40-50% of clubs' revenues on average in Scotland come from um, gate receipts. Rob, if I can come to you now, please. Um, we obviously hope to have people back in the stadiums, or at least partial crowds back at Bittordra by now. So you maybe just tell us a wee bit more about the implications of not having fans at home games. 
Sure, Mel. Well, you know, obviously Dave's already mentioned how our match day income has been so severely hit. We're, we're, we're 82% down. And that's really as a result of obviously no, no walk-ups, no, there's no away fans. We, we can't sell hospitality. Those facilities have, have been lying dormant for months now. Um, and our traditional match day sponsorship um, inventory, which, you know, generally um, generates some, some important and significant revenue for us, you know, we, we can't put to use. So we're left really with some very limited opportunities around how we generate match day income. We've got to rely to some extent on, on pay-per-view. We've converted that match day inventory into, into virtual sponsorships. And that's certainly um, you know, gained some traction, but you're talking a, a certainly a fraction of the cost that you might if you were um, carrying that out with, with fans in the stadium. And we've turned our half-time draw into something online as well. So you know, fans would have seen last week the graphic that we published, and that showed the, the really significant delta between you know, what we're getting in uh, currently versus what we would get in, in a, a, from a traditional um, or, or a normal season. So, you know, you look at pay-per-view income, we're averaging probably 16,000, 17,000 pounds per, per match from that. But it's significantly, significantly lower than we would um, ordinarily be, be earning under, under normal circumstances. And when you add to that challenge the costs of having to put on the games, still with, you know, a, a range of protocols in place, there might not be fans in the stadium, but there are a whole series of protocols that we've got to meet um, to stage the game safely the additional investment that we've put into the likes of, of Red TV to help to continue to deliver value for season ticket holders. It's quite a potent mix of, you know, high cost um, and, and, and limited opportunities around income. And Rob, I think that the real frustration is that we obviously had a very successful trial with Kilmarnock game, which seems an awful long time ago now. And it's just the fact we haven't been able to move things forward at all. Absolutely, Mel. You know, we, we, we have really robust protocols. Our, our recent survey that we carried out showed that fans, are they, they feel safe. They want to return to, to, to Pataudry. They're confident in the measures that we've taken as a club um, and they want to come back to seeing football. And the environment that we would create and that we created during that very successful trial is a controlled environment. It's very different to a bit of a free-for-all, really, at a shopping centre, for example. So we we really, you know, we're, we're not asking for carte blanche here. We are saying we want dialogue and we want a plan and we want to see some sort of clear measures because otherwise we're going to be heading into next season, and we'll talk about that later, I'm sure, in the interview, but we're going to be dealing with a whole new set of challenges as we, as we get into next season. Dave, yeah. I'll come back to you. Have you just... Talk us through the top line figures um, and what's been done to close the funding gap. Yeah, well, obviously there's the financial results, but there's also cash flow, you know, and um, we have the saying at the club that cash is king. Um, and um, the last announcement we made, Mal, was that we we were still 3.8 million short in the 10 million hole that was started. And, um, and so just to give an update on that, um, we managed to, some of our friends in the States as investors just recently put another 1.1 million into the club. We had the sale of Scott McKenna. Um, significant chunk of that was up front, but it still gets paid over a couple of years depending on some of the, um, some of the conditions associated with that. Um, but to counter that, we now have another three to three plus million of no income or lack of income from January for the rest of the season 
So in essence, we're back at square one, which is we still have about 3.8 million to 4 million cash gap um, that we need to um, that we need to deal with uh, by um, by next summer. Um, and, um, and 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 so that's kind of where we are. Um, we are working feverishly to to close the gap um, and to be able to make sure we continue to do the things that we need to do because the last thing we want to be doing is divesting or pulling back our, on our investment, ideally in our football operation, because we've got three million, two to three million of real income that we get based on prize money each season. So, for example, if we took a million or a million and a half out the football operation budget, we could lose two to three million in prize money. That's kind of the dilemma that we face. But look, we're exceptionally well run. We're still debt free as we stand. And um, everyone, particularly the fans as well, are, are playing their part to, uh, to get the, the gap closed. Rob, you just go back. You, mean, you touched on it slightly, but you know what's going to happen in the summer? What, what's the, the impact next season? What's the concerns there? Mel, look, the, you know the, the reality for us and, and for, for clubs across the country. Um, you know, if we're to go into next season with limited or, or, or no fans at games, I think it's going to be impossible to survive without you know having to look at some sort of significant restructuring right across the club. You know, if you look back over the last eight months. Fans have been absolutely amazing, whether that's with season ticket purchases for a for a season that they didn't know, you know, when it might start, and it and it and it effectively hasn't really for them in in terms of being able to attend the the the, the stadium. DNA sales, you know, significantly up, um, up to nearly six and a half thousand now. But it is really hard, I think, for us to see how eight thousand season ticket holders will will buy again if there's no guarantee of of seeing live games. And I think you know the the knock on effect. Of, of not returning with full crowds potentially could be catastrophic. And, and you know, we're not trying to scaremonger here. That, 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 that's an honest statement. You know, we, we would have to look at scaling back our operations in, in, a, in a variety of different ways. It might include the potential of redundancies. And we set out on this journey eight months ago with a clear view of trying to make sure that we could preserve every job at the club um, and the trust. But the reality is we've got a huge supply chain that feeds into the club and depends on our match day operations. That's going to be at risk as well. And I think there's, there is genuinely a serious risk to the club and to the community trust and all of the really good work that they do. If I could just add to that, um, uh, Mal, you know, the reality is, is that um, hundreds of people in football clubs have been made redundant in the last few months. Okay. And, um, because of how we run our club and we, we need everybody that is there, we've managed to retain everybody um, at the club and we've been thankful to everyone at the club, all the staff on the field, off the field for the uh, deferrals that they agreed to and wage cuts because it's managed to help us keep everybody and also to, to, to fully pay the lower um, or, or the lesser paid people, shall we say, you know, at the club. But here's what I'm hearing in football. If there's no plan that we can look at um, with respect to return to fans, even if it's through to, to beginning a next season fully back, if there's no plan, then the way clubs will deal with this, not just Aberdeen looking at it, is, is that they'll do everything they can to keep the investment in the first team. And, and, and another reason for doing that as well is, is that 
everyone associated with the first team, they're all on contracts, some of them for two, three, four years. It's not something you can just throw out the window at all. But what clubs will do is keep their investment to be competitive in the first team, which basically means that everything else that goes on at the club, whether it be youth development, you know, whether it be with the community trust stuff programs that we support as well, all of these, all these are things um, that, that, that would have to be looked at. And these are critical for us as a club. We want to be at the heart of our community. We are at the heart of our community with what we've been through in the last few months. And we will do our darndest to get through this, to keep everyone employed. We can't do it on our own, Mal. We have to have the Scottish government come to football and, and get a clear plan agreed versus this pillar to post week to week, not knowing what the rules are. And, and that's, our, uh, that's our kind of push, Robinized push within Scottish football, is to try and get that clarity there. Because we've demonstrated that we are a highly regulated environment. You compare coming to Petodri, right? We know who's coming, when they're coming, how they get in, the testing, versus people coming into the city centre of any city, including Aberdeen. You don't know when they're coming, right? Who's coming? And um, that's unregulated versus what we have as a regulated environment. Of course, we need to be down in tier one, and Aberdeen's virtually there. So the net net is this, is Scottish football needs help. We're not looking for a handout. We're looking for a plan. Just on that, and you touched on it a little bit before, but I think it's a, a key point. I mean, you're obviously painting quite a bleak picture, but people will look at this and say, well, you know, the club are still making investments on and off the field. Um, so people might be asking, why are we do, why, how are we able to do that in the current climate? You know, we've made some fantastic signings this year as well. So, you know, the government, others looking at that think, well, clubs are still spending money, but maybe explain a wee bit about that. Well, that's a... It's a great question, and I've seen it in the media as well, people talking about clubs. Well, listen, you're, you're saying you don't have money, but you're buying players, etc. Well, first of all, we've had, as you know, Mal, and Rob knows, we've had town halls with all of our staff around our strategy, right? And, and our strategy, and this is the dilemma, is that we've got significant investment in our first team squad, right? And if we don't invest in that and don't stay competitive, we could lose two to three million a year of prize money, right? We don't budget to be 12th in the league with no prize money. We budget to be third in the league each year as a minimum. We budget to be at the latter stages of the Cups and qualify for Europe every season. That's two to three million of prize money. Now, as I said earlier, if we take a million or a million and a half out of that, we could be robbing Peter to pay Paul because we lose two and a half to three million in prize money. That's the dilemma. And so... Um, we've made that decision there. And obviously this season, we, we obviously we, we, we achieved Europe, right? It would have been nice to have gone further, but we got Sporting Lisbon. Um, and, um, and, and similarly, we've started off really well in the league. So uh, that's the dilemma that's there. Uh, things like our fan engagement, what we've done is, is that we've looked, Mal, Rob and I have looked really carefully at every project we've undertaken. And we've cut back on a whole number of projects to focus on the things that matter. Fan engagement, the Aberdeen initiative with the free under 12 Aberdeen initiative, so we're part of our community. And the other thing is, is that 
Now, the call center we put together earlier this year, we're going to bring the band back again. We're in the middle of doing that right now where we will have those nurturing calls going from the club out to the thousands of people because Christmas is coming, winter's here, and it's pretty dark. And so we want to just be at the heart of our community uh, as well. And so that, that's the rationale behind why we're still investing in the first emails because we budget. We've got high goals on our expectations for prize money. Rob, Dave mentioned the community there. Um, you're a trustee of the AFC Community Trust. Um, how has the trust been affected and, and what are the potential consequences if we have to review their activities? Well, you know, obviously, Mel, at the start of the lockdown, a number of the, the, the trust activities were, were put on ice and, and, and couldn't be carried out. And there've been a number of instances where, you know, for example, they'd, they'd want to raise money at, at, at matches and with no crowds there, they've not been able to do that. They've also not been able to lease the the community facilities at, at, at Cormac Park, which, you know, in its in its own right impacts on, on, on grassroots football. But the, the reality is, I think probably now, more than ever before, the club and the trust are working so closely together on, on, on a range of projects. And I think, you know, we are, a, we are indeed a, a, a powerful force for good um, across the community. We've, see, we, we've demonstrated that particularly during the course of the, of the lockdown. The ability of the club, the trust and even the Red Army together, you know, we can drive key initiatives, whether that's around mental health, whether that's around well-being or education. We've seen the success of those. And we are so much more than just, you know, 90 minutes of football on a Saturday. Some of the programs that the, 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 the trust run are absolutely essential to the socio-economic fabric of the, of the northeast of Scotland. So it's absolutely imperative that the, the trust is in a position to continue with all of these programs. And I think, you know, touching, touching people's lives in the way that we do, if we can't do that, it's going to be absolutely devastating. You know, we, we don't want to reduce the the, the, the extent and the, and the scale of, of the activities that are carried out. So, you know, hopefully that gives a sense of, you know, where we're at. And, and we, we've got to make sure that the trust is in the best possible position to, to continue to do that. Yeah, Mal, yeah. just, just, just yeah. jump in on that too. And that's yeah. very well said, Rob, is that we want to be, and we are at the heart of our community. If the club has significantly reduced income, which we will this year, right? We typically do 16 million a year. This current season we're in, we'll do 10 million, you know? So the bottom line is, is that if the club's income is uh, is hit and we are also support, significantly support through the marketing and sales, et cetera, what goes on at the trust and the trust income is hit as well, right? then that's going to impact upon the tens of thousands of people that engage with the trust that we do in the community each year. Who's going to pick that up? Who's going to pick that up in the community? You know, but listen, we're as, as, as Rob and I said before we came on this, we're going to do our utmost to get through this. I'm a kind of um, all action cups half full type of guy. We'll get through this, but it's a major challenge but that's what we face with the reduction in income is looking at the uh, ability to continue to invest as a club and as a community trust in our community. Okay, Dave, you say we're going to get through this, but I mean, how are we going to close the funding gap? Well, um, we're going to continue to work extremely hard related to working with um, the, uh, the the SFA, SPFL, and Scottish government and local um, 
our, our, our local MPs, MSPs. We're going to work extremely hard to really get the message across that we need a plan to get a safe plan to get people back to Pataudry. And listen, uh, if that means it's a thousand people to two to three thousand people, and then we are looking at full crowds for next season, you know, with the vaccine being around the corner, let's have a plan. That plan can change because we need to show some real, not just hope or desperate hope. We need to show some tangible um, hope that there's a plan there for getting back to this. We will have to work really hard because, as Rob said, Scottish football, right, will rely on income coming for season tickets for 21-22, just around the corner from March. And, um, you know, our fans have been phenomenal in buying season tickets and, um, and, 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 and being support of the club. But we can't budget for 8,000 season tickets to be sold next season if we can't get the government to work with us to get some sort of plan to give hope to fans, real hope, we'll be back to full crowds for next season. And I think that's, that's the time mile. Uh, next March, April, May, will be the time where Scottish club or Scottish football, because most significant part of income comes from season tickets, is going to be under real stress and duress. But look, um, I'm confident that we will continue to push and be a voice in Scottish football for um, for bringing fans back and that we'll get there. But it can't just be Aberdeen. It's got to be the rest of Scottish football that steps up and puts their head above the parapet and has a voice too. Rob, just a final one for you. Your commercial hat on. I mean, what has been done to increase revenue streams, you know, revenue streams that are open at the moment, um, you know, how, how are we making money and what else can the fans do to help? As I said earlier, Mel, you know, we, we obviously converted our traditional match day sponsorship inventory more into a, into a digital format and that's been well received. We're pushing our buy official appointment program really hard at the moment and that's growing nicely. You know, that's not contingent on fans being in the stadium, so that's helpful in some ways. We've obviously made the investment significantly in, in, in red TV, and that's helped to drive pay-per-view sales, added value for season ticket holders. I'd use the opportunity to implore fans not to use the illegal streams that are out there. They seem to be fewer and fewer um, that, that, that are out there. But we also ask, you know, don't go to premises where, you know, the games are being shown illegally. That, that's effectively stealing from the club. It's It's really damaging to the club. And we would really ask people, you know, to, to subscribe to Red TV, make, take advantage of pay-per-view when they can. I think that's a, a really important point to, to get across. And I think last but not least, you know, if COVID wasn't enough to deal with, we had the small matter of a, a fairly significant flood um, down at the bottom end of Pataudry Street. And um, a number of the club offices, and in particular the club shop, was, was badly damaged. Um, fortunately, been able to get through the, 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 the nitty-gritty of, a, of a, an insurance claim. And the shop is now back up and running, opened last week. I'd urge fans to come down, um, come and find some fantastic Christmas goodies. Um, I was in the shop just the other day. It's looking absolutely terrific. It's a really positive and engaging shopping experience with some new technology in there now as well. Um, and obviously the new the new home and away strip as well. So we encourage fans, you know, c- come on down. You know, don't 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 be strangers to to Pataudry, even if you can't be there on a match day. You know, Jason and his team are, are certainly looking to welcome folk back into the club shop as well. 
Okay, thanks, Rob. Dave, I'll give you the final word. Maybe just sum up where we are, where we're at. Well, I look upon it from a community standpoint, you know, and um, and obviously, obviously, I haven't been in Aberdeen since uh, it was the thirteenth of March when we were supposed to play Motherwell, and I flew back the next day. But as as Rob, you guys well know, we're on Zooms all day, every day, driving the club. Um, for me, the message is this: is that I, without patronising the fans, because we're fans ourselves, is the fans have been unbelievable. Not just in terms of which is important, stepping up on our DNA and realising that every penny we bring in as a club is going to investment in the right things, particularly the football investment. And um, you know, we we just um, we just um, have been heartened not by the financial impact, but also by the encouragement we've had, not just on social media, but people contacting the club directly about getting through this. I've talked to many people, you know, at uh, the City Council, Aberdeenshire, etc. the last two, three months, because, listen, everybody's going through this, right? And, um, and the, the, I would just say that the, the city and the shire is falling back in love with the football club because they're seeing us at the heart of the community. That hashtag still standing free campaign was unbelievable, and it came from the heart, and it was. We were busy all day, every day. Twenty thousand calls get to sixteen thousand people delivering food from Maastricht to McDuff, and um, with this winter coming in, and with the, um, it was was still um, dealing with this pandemic. You know, as I said, we'll put that kind of gang back together again. So my eternal thanks are to the people of Aberdeen and Aberdeenshire um, for supporting our club. It's not my club. It's not our club. Me and Rob and a board and the management team. It's our club. We've got a dedicated staff that we care about. We've got a fantastic group of fans and corporates. Good, good group of people. And we've got um, a community trust that's the envy of clubs all across Europe. So my mess- message is one that the cup's half full. And that um, for those that are willing and able, because we're all some people are going through tough times, then any support of initiatives like Aberdeenia um, will benefit our club. Dave, Rob, some challenges ahead, but we, we absolutely thank you for your time today, and we really appreciate all the effort you're putting in. Thanks, Mal. Thanks, Mal. That's all for this week. More Aberdeen news next Tuesday evening from eight.